You want to keep watching, right? <laughs> oh, do we have to turn that off now? <laughs> uh, the movie Signs is uh, a 2002 movie, and it is really not about aliens. It's about faith. It's about the faith that, uh, of a preacher, of a, of a priest, that uh, he had lost considerable ground after his uh, wife had died tragically. And he could not balance uh, the, the God that he served with the wife that he lost. He, he, it just sent him into turmoil. And he was describing how people break down into two different groups. Isn't it interesting? Someone can look at the same event, the same thing, and yet one person sees a miracle, God intervening, a chance at least for God to intervene. Others see complete utter darkness, bleak, bleak perspective. And it sometimes, in our walk, we feel like we're somewhere in between, where we have hope, and yet we're, we're challenged to our very being by what's happening in our lives. And these two perspectives, these two worldviews are really at odds with one another. I think they're at war with one another, sometimes in us, because when something tragic happens, it changes our, our worldview. It, cha- it challenges us. It, it makes us really find out what do we truly believe. And life is not the same. So are we going to act like life was before whatever happened? Or are we going to find out how God is going to change me and the circumstances around me and actually live a new life? And so the Psalms, I'm really excited about today, we're in this series called uh, Look Up, and the Psalms really teach us how to do that. Um, there are Psalms where everything is perfect, where you have money, or you're in good health, where, you know, just, you can hear the birds singing, and it's just beautiful. And there's other Psalms where... a Tragedy happens, and it's dark. You're in a pit. And then there are psalms where you're not in a pit, and it's not necessarily sunny, but you're being drawn out of a pit. And it's not dark, and it's not bright, but you feel that you are actually living life in a new way, even a stronger way. And you wish you could turn it back, that that tragedy never happened. But actually, God is not only teaching you, God is with you. And so there's psalms for all different kinds of situations. And by the way, my name is Israel. (laughs) I'm one of the pastors here. It's a joy to be with you. You don't see me too often. I'm the designated pinch hitter. And uh, when Graham's away, and he's up, uh, I believe, up north with his, his dad, his dad's church, and it's a joy to be with you. I'm normally down in Santa Maria with the rest of my time, uh, the church that I pastor there in downtown. And uh, it's, just, it's just great to be here every Tuesday. I look forward to teaching uh, the class uh, up here in Paso. And if you're visiting with us, maybe you're our guest from out of town, or maybe you're here for the first few times we want to extend a very special welcome to you. Or maybe you're listening to us uh, through our webpage. We're really happy you're doing that. Highlands, we want, to, we want Highlands to be a place 
for you to just grow in your faith and have a lot of fun doing that too. Our text today is Psalm 3, and in it we find this tension between these two worldviews uh, where life is random, life is really mm, just kind of uh, luck, uh, where you're lucky or unlucky, or maybe life, there are no coincidences, maybe God is real, God is alive, and not only that, God is active in the world and in my life. You know, it's one thing to say that there's a God, and there's another thing to say that God is active in the world. But yeah, there's a deeper connection when you can say in your heart of hearts, God is active in my life. There's three different levels there, in my opinion. It's not enough to believe in God. So our text today is Psalm 3, and it's the first prayer in the whole Psalter. Uh, And that's a way of saying the whole book of Psalms. There's five books in the book of Psalms. It's a five-volume set, and 150 of them are passed down to us. Psalm 1 and Psalm 2 really go together, and they introduce you how to pray the Psalms. You want to learn how to pray? How many of you... Don't raise your hand, want to learn how to pray. How many of you just had this aching feeling in the last 5, 10, 20 years, I should pray more? (laughs) I think most of us, if not all of us, are in that category. And and we just think that we, it's just going to happen one day. We're going to get up, we're going to drink our coffee, and the coffee's going to taste different, and we're going to just pray like never before. What, honey, what kind of coffee did you buy today? Well, this is the Costco brand. It was, you know, three pounds or whatever. No, it's not going to come from the coffee. It's, it's gonna actually going to come from prayer masters. It's going to come from people who, who have prayed a long time ago. You know what I love about the scriptures is that even though the letters or certain documents were not written to me or to you directly, they were written for you. And even special, more special than that is that the Psalms we're not, <clears throat> are not just written for you, but they speak for you. They give you words. They show you how, and they show me how to approach God. So I want to look at Psalm 3, and this is how <clears throat> it begins. A Psalm of David when he fled from his son Absalom. That, that appears at the very beginning. And then it says this, O Lord, All capital L's, all capital letters means that is the personal name of God. O Lord, how many are my foes? How many are, how many rise up against me? Many are saying of me, God will not deliver him. In some translation it says, many are saying to my soul, God is not going to help you. And the word there is a Hebrew word is nephesh. Now that word may not mean too much to you, but it's, in, the, in the scriptures it's translated soul. It means your whole self. That is, you need your spirit, your body, you, you need your mind to be a whole person. But the nephesh, actually the word nephesh, appears in, in Genesis when God breathed into that, that creation that he, that he put together with his hands. And he breathed in and it became a nephesh became a living person and so here it's, it can be used as a living person but here it's used as me 
personally, to me, directly. Many people are saying to me, God will not deliver you. There's people break down into two categories. But you are a shield around me, O Lord. You bestow glory on me and lift up my head. To the Lord I cry aloud, and he answers me from his holy hill. Why a holy hill? That is the mount where the temple was. That was the place where God said, I am going to show you how to serve me, and I will not depart from you. And then look at, it gets, it gets very practical. I lie down and sleep. I wake again because the Lord sustains me. I will not fear the tens of thousands drawn up against me on every side. And this, this is probably not hyperbole. This is probably not an exaggeration. David was running for his life. And then, arise, O Lord, deliver me, O my God. Strike all my enemies on the jaw. Break the teeth of the wicked. That is, take their power away. Zap them. That sounds pretty strong, doesn't it? You ever pray like that? Yeah. You ever pray like someone bothering you at work for years? Lord, just strike them. <laughs> break their teeth one day, Lord. Get them. That's how they pray. These nice, simple, cute prayers, where do they come from? From the Lord comes deliverance. Okay, I can't get carried away because deliverance is in the Lord's hands, not in my dirty thoughts. May your blessing be on your people. So he's in great need personally, but it ends with this blessing for God's people. The Psalms are not only written for you, they speak for you. Psalm 1 and 2 show you how to approach the rest of the Psalms. Quickly, Psalm 1 shows you the the difference between righteous people and unrighteous people. And sometimes you can really, it's hard to tell a difference. Sometimes it's hard for people to tell a difference between someone who attends uh, church faithfully and someone who's never stepped in church. Because from the outside looking in, we, we, we eat the same stuff, we drink the same stuff, we, we, sometimes we say the same stuff. But you know what? According to Psalm 1, the difference between the righteous and the unrighteous, a blessing that comes from God's word that is so deep and rooted. You're rooted in God's word. You're so rooted in it that you delight in it. So the, the, the whole prayer book, if you're going to learn how to pray, the first thing you want to ask is, what do I delight in? What am I rooted in? Where do I draw strength from? That's the first thing. Because if you have, if you grow in your desire and delight and discipline of the scriptures, of just wanting to, to grow in them, prayer will naturally follow. Prayer and, and reading of God's word go hand in hand. Psalm 2 says, so Psalm 1 is a laser beam on your life. Psalm 2 is a wide angle view of the whole world. Psalm 2 says, why do all the nations 
make a bunch of noise? Why do they rage against me? You want to know why? Because they have yet to surrender to the real ruler. They have yet to surrender to the king of kings, the president of all the presidents. Psalm 2 says, if you want to be blessed, submit to my ruler. Submit to the Messiah. And he even says, kiss the son. <laughs> a ruler would come in. Have you seen this? They would kiss the ring, the, the power uh, that was signified in that ring or on the hand, saying, you are really more important than I am at the moment. And Psalm 3, then, is the first prayer. So if you're going to learn how to pray, you're going to delight in God's word. Psalm 2, you're going to surrender at the feet of the ruler. And Psalm 3, then, is the first prayer. I think the first prayer in the Psalms is pretty important. It's like the first episode in a, in a series, right? It sets the tone. It's either going to draw you or you're not going to be interested, right? It's the opening, opening scenes of a movie. And so it's very, very important. Psalm 3 then sets you up to say, this is a good example of how to pray. And it begins with a story. Our lives are in a story. You, we never, ever pray in a vacuum. And by that I mean we don't somehow dismiss our lives and then approach God. We don't leave everything behind and then approach God. I, I remember growing, uh, growing up, people, some people would say that. Leave all your problems outside before you come in so we can worship God. And I'm going, where on earth did we get that idea? That's the last thing I'd ever want to do. You're telling me that God is only only wants to be praised from people who are in denial? <laughs> or know how to suppress their stuff really well? No. Psalm 3 says, you know what? You pray in your story, in your circumstances. And you probably notice that Psalm 3 is really short and it's to the point. Prayer does not have to be long. And all the men said, Amen. Because <laughs> I think women can pray longer than men, right? All right, let's not go there. We're not going to cause any controversy in here. We're going to keep it nice and light. And the prayer that David prays, they're real. The words are real. They're not candy-coated. They're not sugar-coated. They capture the emotions of the moment, but they don't just stop there. They actually entrust these emotions to God. And so we, we find that Psalm 3 teaches us something else. Because I used to think that it was a shame for me or for anyone to only approach God in times of need. I thought it was a sign of spiritual immaturity if you only approach God in great need. And if you ask me today, do I still kind of believe that? I still kind of do. But Psalm 3 is teaching me, hey, relax on that, buddy. You want to know why? We're always in need. When you approach God in prayer, you're saying, things might be good, 
I might be in my favorite vacation spot. Where's your favorite vacation spot? Just put yourself there mentally, but come back, okay? Put yourself right there. And you have your favorite meal right in front of you. And, and, and your favorite people. I didn't say your family, okay? I said, <clears throat> I'm just joking. That's wrong. It better be your family there, okay? We'll have a sermon on that. But the people that, <laughs> the people that you want there, your favorite meal, favorite music, you don't have to do any dishes. You're still in need. You're still in need. So we never ever approach God like we're not in need. Now there's times where we're needy. We just are in desperate need. But the, the Psalms are not embarrassed to approach God when we're in need. Why? Because we're always in need. And I just want to quickly show you a couple things that I think David prays this prayer because not only he's in trouble, but he's, he is gripped by fear. And, and I have to say that there is a healthy dose of fear in our lives. Fear is a God-given emotion. Healthy fear, a healthy dose of fear will enable you to act, to do something, right? You see, your, see a child in the middle of the road, you get, oh my goodness, you, you just quickly act. Anxiety is fear that has been fed too long. It's fear that is overgrown and actually causes you to freeze. Anxiety is fear that paralyzes you. It, it, it puts you in denial. It, it puts you in a place where you are hopeless and there's a sense of purposelessness. And when people think of prayer... I think even when people think of religion, there's this religiosity mindset that we can't approach God as we are. First, we should check out our problems at the door. First, we should take a bath. First, we should calm ourselves down. We need to approach God with very sweet language. And that is nonsense, according to the Psalms. And there's also this secular nonsense that I have to say that we are really true to ourselves when we are emotionally honest. Now, I think we should be honest, but what I'm talking about is just tell people how you really feel. Just let it rip. Someone, someone at the uh, customer uh, counter is giving you a hard time. Just chew them out. Just, just lay into them. Why? Because it's good to be real. It's good to be true. Just put it all on your sleeve and just throw it all on them. That's pride. You don't curse out the guy across the counter. You don't just let it rip. You know, David does neither one of these. He, he doesn't suppress, and he doesn't just explode on people. You know what he does with his emotion of fear? He surrenders it to God. And the turning point is this. The turning point is, is this. But you... People are saying that God's not going to do anything for me, but you are my shield. That is, you're the one that protects me. You're, you're the one that protects me in places I don't even know, I just all around me. It's not my real shield that protects me. It's you. And you are my glory. But you are my glory, which means there's a chance that we find our glory in something else or in someone else. But David says, I'm on the run. My family is messed up. But my glory, my honor is found in you. It is not found in the rich garments 
that I wear. It's not found in the palace. It's not found with all the people that serve me. It's not found in any of those things on my resume, not my checkbook, nothing. Who uses checks anymore? It is found. It is found in you alone. And you are the one that lifts my head up high. We're in a series called Look Up. And you're here, you're, in, you're either in need or in great need. There's, there's really no other place. And I love the way this, this prayer ends. It gets really raw. This is what I think of my enemies at the moment, God. I would love for you to smash them right on the mouth. Just do something. But deliverance belongs to you. It's not my place. I'm going to surrender those thoughts to you. So God becomes, God's love then, God's ears, becomes the filter for your life, how you respond to life. You want to grow in prayer? Take a look at the Psalms. They not only speak to you, they speak for you. Let's pray. Lord, we're grateful we don't have to approach you with these sweet prayers where we suppress our emotions or we, we don't have to actually approach other people and complain to other people. We can go directly to you and see you do something greater than we can do ourselves. We're grateful, Lord, that you actually are the one that causes us to sleep. Just like the psalm says, you're at work. When we're asleep, how much more are you at work when we're awake? I ask that you'd give rest to your people, people that are, have, have been having sleepless nights, thinking about what's happening in their lives or in their loved one's life. Give rest to your people. Thank you, Lord, that we're not alone. And we're not alone in learning how to pray, how to approach you. You have an open ear to us and you show us how. Bless your people. Bless your people. In Jesus' name, amen.